2: crossing route. Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he
1: hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP.
0: The Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to LA this January at the Coliseum. We not me versus the NFC.
1: And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio, Monday Night Football Edition. It's actually on the East Coast, 1.44 a.m. It's Uh, 9-11. We'll... Mention that here in a second. Um, it's it's a live show tonight. It is so if our guests and myself, if we uh, if we make a couple mistakes, we're allowed. We're sleepy. Okay. This is we're covering the Rams' thirty three thirteen victory over the Oakland, Las Vegas, whatever they are Raiders. And also, I ask you to head over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, all those great places you can find us. Don't forget we're on iBeat Radio. They air our show Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Okay, so our guest tonight, I'm thrilled because, you know, we, we never even get a football, someone so who's been there and done that on the show, to will break down the game with you. This is a great way to start the season. Former Rams, LA, uh, former LA Rams safety, You can't mix them up, but now these names change all the time. LA Rams yes, Michael Stewart, is with us. And, and the great thing about him is he's actually not just, he's a fan. He's been a fan of the team since before he played, so you know he's locked in this game. And what a night. What was your impression of this, of this 33-13 victory?
2: Uh, I, I think kind of like we talked a little bit before, uh, you know, you had to tell the two halves. And so uh, it's good to see them finish strong. But I I really would like to see them feed the beast girly a little more. But, you know, I'm not there in all the meetings, so I'm sure uh, McVay and the rest of them have a plan.
1: And we're going to want to hit on that, that just the way the offensive just the way it all, all laid out. So before we even move any closer, it is on the East Coast now, September eleventh. This will release in September eleventh. So we just wanna just really quickly just do a, a moment of silence, just remembering those who we lost seventeen years ago today. Alright, so before Michael and I get into this. Want to throw a shout out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, Hollywood team, great glam, the nineteen fifties Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the Rams, the nineteen fifties Rams, through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from nineteen fifty three to nineteen fifty seven. Check out this son story of his father and team he played for, in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, Les Richter. This in this great book, nineteen fifties Rams. I'm telling you, folks. If you haven't read it, we've been giving them away. We've been giving these copies of the books away. It's a great read. It's an easy read. It's a great story. It's a good history there. You can find the book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. Also, it's available on both our back and electronic form, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. So check them out again. That's Team Grit, Glamour, 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is worth your time. i got to ask you this. Have you read any of these books? That have come out since the Rams came back. No, I
2: haven't, but I, I now I need to go get some.
1: <laughs> there's been three of them. There's been Jim's book on the '50s Rams. There's the book on um, the Cleveland Rams moving to LA. That was by Jim Selecki, and then Jabe Harris did that game, of My Life Rams one. So all of a sudden, the Rams coming back. There's just books everywhere, and there really needs to be a book of your era, the '1980s Rams. You guys went through some stuff, man coming off the seventies to kind of redoing the team and then heading towards the end that which we don't want to get there though that far, but that's <laughs> a heck of an era, right there. Georgia frontier, so on and so forth. Right. right. That would be, I think that would be a heck of a story. And yeah. we have to talk about right. Ram it too. The video Ram it, We have to talk about that. Or, you know, maybe you don't want to talk about that. I'm just saying. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> okay. So real quick. And I gotta give Michael some time here. He's, I, he's, I, we want to hear all about, hear all Michael's thoughts. Game the Rams win 33-13. thirteen. It is 13-10 at halftime. Oakland is winning. Uh, the Rams shut them out in the, in the second half. Twenty three nothing. It's uh, a beautiful half for a beautiful game for Todd Gurley. Twenty carries. Todd Gurley, twenty carries, hundred and eight yards, five point four yards a carry. Jared Goff goes eighteen of thirty three for two hundred thirty three yards, two touchdowns, and a sack. Derek Carr for the Raiders. Here we go. 29-40 of for 300 yards. Most of that comes in the first half. Three interceptions, including that Marcus Peters pick six at the end. In the passing game, Brandon Cooks, five catches for 87 yards. To lead the team targeted eight times. So those who were complaining about the targets last year for Sammy Watkins, well, he comes in right away. He's eight targets. Um, Cooper Cup five catches, 51 yards, a touchdown, nine targets. It's a pretty well-rounded game overall. I am pretty thrilled with it. Our, I cannot believe this. You remember the Jared Cook days, right? Yeah. We used to talk about his drops. Nine catches, 180 yards for the Raiders. 12 targets. What the heck? Where was he when he played for the Rams? I don't know. I, <laughs> and we can't see the video, but Michael's face is like, yeah, I, got, I, don't, I don't have anything for that.
2: All right. Yeah, so. that's hard to, it's hard to figure out because uh, you know, unless he just got some more confidence, and you know, maybe they were targeting him a lot more in camp. But yeah, it's it's a big change.
1: So you and I though we were we were kind of you know chatting during the game a little bit, and and I had a couple of questions I really wanted to throw at you from what we saw because what we saw again, tale of two games basically, the first half and second half. That first half was—is it safe to say a little concerning?
2: Of course. Of course, it it was. But I think a lot has to do with the preseason, because if you think about it, especially the guys on offense, they didn't really play a lot. So today was really like the first like real game, you know, getting after it full speed against a different opponent. And then you could see the rust more or Mm -hmm. less in the first. And then the second half, they kind of got got it more in sync. So I would anticipate them being more in sync even next week.
1: Now, when you were watching that first half, though, on defense, we were really looking at the linebackers and how they were able to cover, and especially going after Jared Cook. What did you see in particular with how they were covering in that short to intermediate range that, you know, five to seven-yard range from the line of scrimmage that they really had a hard time with?
2: Well, one of the things are when you're playing inside, you know, we kind of call it the box area, you have to take a position. So when you're covering a tight end, especially on that first kind of big play he got, Mm -hmm. you can see the linebacker kind of float over the top of him and it just gave him the inside. So you're taught to be inside technique or outside technique, but where he was on the field, the linebacker should have definitely stayed inside. But his eyes kind of drifted back to the quarterback and that half a second, kind of lost the receiver inside. He kind of juke-stepped him in, and cut back inside. But typically you're going to anticipate that route coming. And so, that, again, that's just, to me, you know, a lack of uh, just playing at full speed.
1: So the lack of reps.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: I was wondering, too, the, the linebackers back there tonight, that includes Corey Lilton, who ended up having a, a pretty solid game. Yeah, that young core rather Samson had become, is it just also the fact that this, they're young and the lack Absolutely. of reps? I
2: mean, Absolutely. You got the youth. You have, you know, this still early in the season, you still got uh, the D line uh, getting after it or, or getting in sync and the defense in itself. Again, when you're not playing, you know, back in my day, you know, rookies played a lot the first game, but by the fourth quarter, Third game, you played almost three quarters. And then the fourth preseason, they were looking at seeing who uh guys were going to make the team, so they played a lot more. So you were more ready and to go in game shape as far as snaps, reps, things like that. So uh, I anticipate them getting better uh each week. And, you know, you could see Wade just made a couple adjustments and basically shut them down the second half.
1: Now, on that first half, you going back. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go go back to the days of the safety. You know, you know yeah. everything you're seeing in front of you here. What would, what would you have done differently in to start that game if you were back there in the defensive backfield, if you were kind of directing folks where to go? What did you see that kind of alarmed you a little bit in terms of how people were being covered, not just in terms of the linebacking core, but also the secondaries. There were a few little issues here and there that I think got corrected later, but what did you see in, in that respect?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, like I said earlier, it looked like just a little rust of not really playing. I mean, you when you're only playing a series or two series, yeah, you're practicing and you're doing all that good stuff, but you're not playing an opponent at the temple of the NFL game like we saw on a Monday night or a Sunday night or Sunday afternoon when you got guys going full speed every single play. And so you got guys kind of, you know, taking a little chance here and there, a little bit out of position here, a little bit out of position there, you know, missed tackles here, you know, and that's just tiny. And so the more you're doing it at full speed, the better they'll be and more in sync.
1: The Raiders were able to move down the field later on in the first quarter, and one of the the penalties that the Rams took that let that drive happen was the Aaron Donald penalty, where yeah he it was a sack, gets around the legs and the ankles they call it from the passer. How did you view that penalty? There was a, there was an uproar on social media about it. Was it a fair call? Was it ticky tack? How did you view it?
2: Well, the thing is. It- the toughest thing is, uh, and I just kinda hate to see, again, when you're on defense, you want your guy to get the guy, but you just hate to see guys down there around the knees because it just nothing good happens. And so, you know, glad that, you know, no one got injured or things like that. And but the penalty flag thing is it's just kind of a little bit overdone. You know, unfortunately, you know, we have all the talk with obviously the CTE and, and everybody gets it a physical game, but it's still football. It's going to be, you got to tackle the other guy. And defensively, you're taught stop that guy and you only can do it with a certain amount of speed. And so there's no, oh, I'm going to go half speed on this play. You just can't do it. So the, that fine line between, and most time, I, I'm going to, sh- and I can't speak for Coach uh, Wade, but I would assume they say things like, "Hey, just go full speed, and we'll deal with the penalties if we get them or the fines later down the road." But I need you to go full speed. Don't think about it.
1: Now, another set of penalties there, you know, is this new helmet rule. And yeah, we we were kind of briefly going back and forth during the game about it. Especially when covering the big guys like Jared Cook, trying to bring right. him down, a lot of arm tackling. I know you. Yeah. We've already covered. You know, you made sure you made the point. Guys are getting just coming coming back. It's you know the preseason, coming in down to the regular season. But arm tackling something you know fundamental. You know not to do. Is it just? Could it be the possibility of? The fact are trying to avoid that helmet contact now with this rule, you're seeing people get thrown out of games like yesterday at the Bengals game. There's someone thrown out. We saw numerous penalties throughout the preseason about it. Is it just a, an adjustment? Am I just am I on something here and seeing things? How much do you really see the helmet rule playing a factor in how guys are tackling, especially the big guys?
2: Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And it's going to kind of revolutionize the game again for the offense. You know, uh, Because you're taught at an early age, especially when you're coming in kind of from a 45-degree angle, you're taught to get your head across the body and wrap up so they don't just run through an arm tackle. You know, offensive guys are loving the guys gonna basically have to arm tackle them now. Man, they'll run through that. And we saw Jared Cook just, you know, a number of times just kind of run through things. And so The helmet rule, yeah, they're making adjustment, but I think the overemphasizing of it, to me, has made it worse because if you go back and look at even last season, yeah, you're going to see some hits that were, as they say, with the crown of the head, but probably 90% of the tackling was just normal tackling, whereas now – you're seeing guys getting injured around the knees because guys are just going for the knees and just. So it just, to me, it almost seemed like it's getting more dangerous as though they're saying, Hey, we'd rather have a guy have a knee injury than, you know, maybe a concussion. So, yeah, I definitely agree that the arm tackling is going to be a lot more of that because guys are just not wanting to get fined or now kicked out the game. Yeah. But
1: going back, you know, 15, 20 years, we didn't have a whole lot of conversations about ACL injuries. And really, in the last, I'd say, what, a decade now, we've seen a rash of ACLs as we talk more about the head injuries. Is there any concern for you that the way we're trying to, well, not we, but the NFL is trying to regulate how people tackle will eventually hurt the game to the point where it it can't make a comeback?
2: Well, I think the game is big enough that they'll have to make a readjustment to the rule and the things that they're doing, you know, obviously, you know, when it starts hitting that pocketbook, they're going to make some changes. Uh, But I definitely feel that, that the game, it just needs to be played. And there's just, it's just kind of hard to try to legislate out certain things. You know, as we see, we've watched a lot of football over the years, right? Yeah. You know you know the times when guys like, yeah, that guy needs to get kicked out for that. But for the most part, guys are just playing at a high speed, making contact. But yeah, for those guys who are literally doing some cheap shot type stuff, yeah, those guys need to go. But a regular tackle, you know, I saw so many this preseason, I go, that's just a regular tackle. How's yeah. that a flag? You know, oh, that guy get kicked out for that? man, regular tackle. Yeah. But that's kind of what I'm
1: wondering with the Donald sack, especially because when he came in, there wasn't, he wasn't trying to take him out for the legs. He wasn't, he was, he was already on the ground. He's just trying to get him down. It wasn't like he just saw, Hey, it's a target. Go, go try and wreck this guy's career. It was clear that wasn't the intention. Is it possible for the officials to look at these penalties and assess them based on <clears throat> excuse me assess them based on the fact that it's intentional or not or is it just too bang bang
2: of a play yeah see those type type of things i think they're going to have to put back and put some of those under replay you know what i mean and and just kind of go back and look at intent again it's easy to see a guy's intent you know he looks to the left looks to the right now i'm going to take your knee out as opposed to a guy making a what we call a normal football play, and something like that happens, you know. So, I I, I would assume those types of things will be, you know, uh, under the microscope and and be situation where they can go look under the hood and and just look at it ten absolutely. I mean, that's what I would suggest.
1: That's the hard part though. Is it just seems like every time they look under the hood. Something worse <laughs> happens. <laughs> they changed something else. <laughs> like <laughs> you, but knock on wood. There, it may be a bad idea. Okay, yeah. before we move on to the second half, you want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in Orange County and you want that old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at one three seven five five Golden West Street in Westminster, California nine two six eight three. Sal Martinez. The man he opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day this team left for St. Louis. He's kept the light on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-7267 or Rams. Use the promo code Rams Talk. Who knows we sent you and get a discount on the already affordable haircut? The Gold Ram Barber Shop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. You know Sundays he's closed, right? He's not going to be there. He's he's watching the game. One more time, give Style a call, 714-894-7267. It's folks, two things. He is he's family for us. We're part of the Ramley. He's you know, he's well worth it to support him if you can go out there. His his shop's an amazing experience. It's a true hardcore old school barbershop experience. Give him a call. All right, so the second half, Michael, you know, it's a whole different game. You mentioned adjustments, the good old way put put out there. What were some of the specific adjustments that you saw from a game that was you're down 13-10 to now the Rams are winning this thing thirty three thirteen 13 when it's over?
2: Well, I, I thought I saw, you know, when I was looking a little in closer, it looked like they did a few more line stunts in the second half. Uh, but I think a lot of that was attributed to Derek Carr in the Raider offense as well. Uh, where they had kind of a rhythm going, they started looking more – for the deep ball downfield, which means, you know, you got to hold the ball a little bit more. Uh, But honestly, I think what happened is after that Donald hit and then a couple other hurries, you saw Derek Carr, as we say, starting to hear footsteps, just throwing a ball, you know, one time, you know, and I'm sure you'll get to it where, he just he didn't he could have extended the play looked around a little more and he just threw it out of bounds like real quick so I think he started uh, getting a little like shifty back there with, with some of that that pressure getting to him.
1: Well, that, the that the two plays that come to mind there are very close together was he had time in the pocket threw it left threw it out of bounds couple plays later yeah. that I do is it fair to call that a softball throw? Just off his back foot, Corey Littleton gets that. It was, I think, he meant to throw it out of bounds and didn't put enough on it. That's right. Mean, yeah, I just and he, he wasn't really under serious pressure yet. He could right. have made. I saw that, and that really
2: makes me wonder because you know the Rams didn't get a whole lot of pressure on him. They really didn't. No, not early on, but but the second half they started getting closer. And so, you know, remember in the first half, they were showing the clock like he was getting it out at 2.2 and 2 mm-hmm. point. So that's kind of the mental clock. You know, we have a thing. If you're out two two seconds, 2.3, I mean, three seconds, you need to be getting it out. Well, he knows against them. He doesn't need to wait till three point. So that's what he looked like he was doing. And when it got to like three seconds, he's like, man, I'm getting rid of this no matter what. When he didn't really have to but that's because that pressure started getting around him enough to where he was like, yeah, I'm not taking any unnecessary hits in the first game back. Again, he didn't play a whole lot in the preseason either. So now you're getting there where the bullets are really live and you got Donald, Sue, Brockers, and the rest of those guys bearing down your throat. You're like, yeah, this is the real deal. And remember, he got hurt. Was it last year? Yeah, when he did had he some get? Injuries. I yeah, want to say yeah. So... Back,
1: it was it the back injury last year. I, it's yeah, again, yeah. folks. It's two o'clock in the morning here. We're not remembering everything,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you know. But he had a pretty pretty yeah. decent back injury. But it's on his scouting report too. Dirty uh, Dieter Kurtenbach from the San Jose Mercury News was on last week with us to, to preview the game, and he specifically mentioned how he'll get happy feet. And right. when he threw that ball away for no reason. Right. I immediately went back to what Dieter said, that he, he nailed it. He, there was no reason to throw that ball away. And to take the attention off the Rams for a moment and go to the Raiders, it makes you wonder how successful the Raiders are going to be this year if their quarterback is that antsy in the pocket.
2: Well, you know, a lot of people, again, Derek Carr and his brother went to my alma mater, Fresno State. And truth you know when Derek was at Fresno State, there were a couple years where he lit it up, but then it was a year or so where he was getting hit a lot. And so once that happens to you and quarterbacks, you know, and again, you're dealing with some big boys now. Uh you're not really trying to get hit like that. And like you said, if he the back injury and all like that, yeah, this is the first game. Yeah, I'm not really trying to take all this this punishment. First game back, plus mm-hmm. alive. Uh, but I think one of the keys too was that through throw he uh that interception before halftime. You know, kind of the same thing. He underthrew it. Yeah. But why did he underthrew it? He was feeling a little and he tried try to get rid of it a little bit early, you know, but you're taught to throw it, you know, to the back of the end zone where your guy gets it or no one does. But yeah, he he kinda underthrew a great play by a uh, by the safety uh, and making an interception, but I thought that was a key turning point. You know, as far as momentum coming into the second half.
1: Let me ask you this: Going back to your days, did you ever play with a quarterback who dealt, who had to deal with the mental aspects of happy feet, who had been hit hard enough to where, you know, you as a defensive his teammate you, on the defensive side of the ball, you're having to worry about your offense because of something like that.
2: Well, you know. We play with some great quarterbacks and pretty much any quarterback, if he gets hit enough, he's going to have that at least probably for that game. You know, I, I a lot of people in, and not throw my big man Jim under the bus, but, you know, when we played Frisco in the 89 uh, championship game, you know, there was a couple plays in there that, you know, the media and people thought that, hey, you know, they call it the phantom sack and different things like that. But that's when you're playing a great defensive line. And once you start getting pressure, you know, you got to remember, this game is played by human beings. Mm -hmm. And so the best of running backs, you know, I remember Anthony Newman, uh, my counterpart in the secondary, uh, we were playing Pittsburgh one year, and he came up and hit Barry Barry Foster in, in the knee area two times. Barry Foster was not running anymore that day. And so the best of the best, if they get hit right at certain times, they're going to go, you know what? I'm going to live to play another game next week. It's not worth it this time. So that's what you can see, you know, uh, a lot of emphasis now being put in in the fronts and speed and guys are bigger and, and, you know, you get hit a few times, you're going to think about, you're going to be thinking about it. So, uh, you know, and and quarterbacks getting rhythms, and once you kind of get them out of it, that's where and Derek ended up throwing what three picks tonight?
1: Yeah, and it, it were ugly picks too. Ugly, cool. ugly picks. Well, and and I go back to that that you know the the Phantom Sack game, and to this day, I think Jim ever gets you know we're we're, we're we're big fans of Jim here, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that was my childhood <laughs> hero, and um, but I think even to this day, there are some Rams fans out there who hold it against him that game, and they forget how he was shelled in that game. That four defensive line was all over him from the from the moment that game started. And, you know, you're right. It gets in someone's head. And it has to make you wonder, can Derek Carr move forward from that? And Because this, this goes back to last year. Or is he is that gonna be something to watch the rest of the year? And don't forget what happened to David Carr's brother.
2: Right. Well, you gotta you gotta think of it. The whole talk early on about, you know, Coach Gruden coming back and can, you know, uh Derek be able to handle the tough coaching and things like that. And you can see tonight Coach Gruden making a concerted effort to just kind of talk to him, work through it. But believe me, when it comes meeting time and they turn that film on, oh, he's going to lay into that kid. And so that's when it's going to tell how he responds next week. And, again, you know, guys get hit, and you you can get a little shell-shocked. And so, you know, we're just going to have to see how it goes because, you know, for a little while, he was hitting on all cylinders. You know, he's changing audibles and checking down and check checking yeah, out a play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool.
1: Well, let's, let's flip it around here. Sure, the Rams offensive line this game. How well do you think they protected Jared Goff first half, the second half, and what would you to see them do differently moving forward?
2: Well, I, I think it's a combination. I think the O line did a great job. I mean, Garrett, uh, uh, Jared, excuse me, had a a lot of time pretty much all night. Uh, to you know, he kind of patted the ball a few times, uh, but again, I think you know we saw. Uh, On a few of those deep throws, I call him going for the home runs, Mm -hmm. where he had a lot of the intermediate and check down routes that are available. Uh, I always love the fact that, like, you got a guy like Gurley, sometimes he was just checking out and there was like really no one buying for 10 yards. You just dump it to him and he's going to run for 10, make a guy miss, and now it ends up being a big play. But sometimes going for the home run, and, and and coaches are smart. You know, they're trying to set up next week's opponent, opponent by saying, mm-hmm. man, we're going, we're going deep, and then they'll change the game plan up a little bit. But you'll be looking at them. But you can see that, you know, he was a little out of sync with uh, Woods on a lot of those deep throws. But, again, I, I attribute that to just the number of reps. They didn't really play that much in the, in the preseason.
1: I'll tell you what, though. I was That was something I was actually happy about. There were a lot of times last year, and I'm wishing Jared Goff would take a shot, and he took multiple shots in this game. Oh, oh no yeah, doubt. And and that is something that, I mean, we can we can dig up the Sammy Watkins wins if we want, but he was supposed to have that relationship with Wa- with Watkins, and it didn't happen. And in the end, though, we saw, I think, was it four or five deep shots he took this game? Oh, yeah, easy. Yeah, and they yeah, were yeah.
2: like really... Just a little bit long, a little bit, you know what I mean. So it's just almost like timing. So you can see those plays being home runs in another week or two, no in, doubt. And
1: in, in a week, they're playing in a team that got beat by the Redskins, you know, at home. Yeah. I like the Rams' chances next weekend against a team that is really struggling. the The movement in the offensive line to block. And give talker always in space. You have been on the receiving end of that. You've had to. You've been on defenses that were worn down by some of the great running backs, like Walter Payton, and you I, know it's just so many of the ones in the '80s that you went up. And there were so many great ones. Oh yeah. You know how was that? How what did that do to a defense? Because what we saw in that game was a Raiders defense that basically broke. They said, uh, "I think we're done." I mean, they gave up from. I mean, you don't, as a player, you don't give up physically, but mentally, you can tell they are warm. What is it like being on the receiving end as a player when that kind of thing
2: happens? Well, again, it comes down to the individual player. You know, my day, win or lose, my idea was, oh, now you're trying to embarrass me? Okay, I'm coming even harder. So you hope that your guys on defense are playing like that. But the truth is... When you're a secondary guy and the back is getting to you, you know it's going to be a long day and you hope it's at the end of the game and not in the first quarter. But you can see Gurley, he's 10 yards down the field before he's even going to get hit. And so when you see gaping holes like that, you're going like, wow, nobody up front, the backers are nowhere to be found, and now – and you can see he was kind of punishing their secondary. The one guy ended up, I think, getting somewhat a concussion a little bit or knocked out because uh, he just basically ran him over. Uh, and so, yeah, it makes for a long day. But again, you got to think they're a defense used to playing with a guy named Khalil Mack.
1: That was my next question. And when we, again, we had Dieter on earlier this week. He said he didn't really, well, he didn't word for word. I want to make sure I say it right. He basically noted that we have no idea how this team's going to play without him in their first game. And right. in the first half, they, they were fine, except right. they didn't quite get the pressure on Jared Goff to get. But as time wore down in that game, that defense, well, they seemed like they lost heart. So for you... Let's just go back. Let's say you're back in the eighties and the Rams send they send Jerry Gray somewhere. They send Kevin Green somewhere, you know, middle of their primes. How are you feeling? How are you responding? And what did you see on the field today that would kind of correspond with that?
2: Well, you know, a guy is gonna try to be veteran, you know, guys went out there and you could tell they were playing, especially I'm gonna say the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh but you also see the Raiders are true to the Raider mystique. They play a lot of man-to-man bump and run. We're going to get up and bump you. You're going to have to go up top. Well, we saw what happened. They had, what, three or four pass interference calls that were, like, 25. Four, one was, like, close to maybe a 40-yard pickup mm-hmm. because of pass interference, Right. And so those are kind of the things. But if you got a Khalil Mack, you can play bumper run because he's probably sacking the quarterback or making him throw an errant pass because he's rushing him. But with that not happening, that was allowing the guys with true speed to get downfield and get behind those guys a little bit. And now they're chasing and not looking back because they don't want to look back and now the ball goes over their head and it's caught for a touchdown. So it's almost like, man, I'd rather get a P.I. So uh, you put all those things together and, you know, for a DB, especially when you're playing bump and run pretty much all game, the chances are you're going to get diminishing returns on being able to cover a guy, especially those guys with speed. Those Both of those guys got real speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you get diminishing returns, eventually they're going to get one on you if you don't have a pass rush. doesn't matter how great you are out there playing. you you got to get somebody back there being able to put some pressure on the quarterback and at least making him get rid of it a little bit before he wants to.
1: The comment you made there, too, about I'd rather just take a P.I., it's almost really what it seemed like because those, they, they, the, those Raiders' quarters didn't look back. They didn't look back at all. They were just right you know, hands up in the air. And right. anybody who who, who covers a game watches a game and knows if you just turn your head around and get your hand
2: up, right? That's not going to be a pi. But they it's not going to right. But and they, they didn't were like, even. No, I'm not turning around because if I turn around, that ball goes over my head somehow, and they catch it for six. They're like, no. So yeah, I, you put all those combination things together. And, uh, and, and and the Rams and Jared and the receivers, they did a great job. Cooper Cuff, they did a great job of what we call sitting down in the zone. They found a lot of the open areas and, and golf had plenty of time to get it to them. Uh, and if it wasn't for it, some earlier errant passes a little bit, the game might have been like it could have been a blowout, you know, because there were some times they settled for field goals. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, where I thought, man, we're down in here in the red zone, man, feed the beast, girl, and he's just going to run those dudes over. But they kind of got a little pass happy, I felt, uh, you know, trying to get. And again, you know, that could be game planning for the guys down the road and all those things, or just saying, we feel pretty confident. Let's run all these different plays, and now we'll start picking and choosing what's working and what's not. So maybe they almost used this. Kind of as a preseason game.
1: I kind of look at the wonder if the Rams played this Raider team next weekend. Is it even a twenty-point game? Because like the way that they just took it over, the way they're able to kind of start figuring things out. And you you mentioned the preseason thing multiple times. They've had if they played in week two. I think this is. I think it is a blowout. I mean, it's a blowout thirty-three thirteen. But I think it's a true blue, never close game forty-five to seven. The talent level between the two teams is, especially with Khalil, with Khalil Mack gone, it's pretty clear. It's night and day. Right.
2: Right. Well, you you you'll probably go back and look at it, D. But you go back and look at it. How long has uh, Aaron Donald been actually here? He oh. just signed last Wednesday.
1: I think like a week and a
2: half. A week and a half. Let's call it ten days. Mm-hmm. Right. Out of those 10 days, he's probably practiced probably five because of the way their practice schedule goes, right? If you look at him, he looks to be in good shape. He played the whole game, but he's still not in game shape. But if you look at the plays, he had number 70 grabbing and holding on him every single play. Now, you take this to next week, well, he's just going to run. You know what I mean? He's going to be in that much more. Fine tune, his spacing and all like that. So it's almost like this might have been their best shot, catch a guy when he's not really ready to go. Because as the season goes on and all those guys now jail defensively, again, you know, did they even throw the ball at uh to Tlaib, way? They once. M-
1: I think they went one. I think when they moved I think they at one point they had Talib moved over to cover Cook.
2: Yeah, so they and they were going to we're
1: Cook's down. way. Yeah, uh, and which was I think a pretty good adjustment. But um, see, here's the thing that it reminds me. It reminds me of the Redskins game from last year. That was Aaron Donald's first game, in after his whole out last year. And I remember he was not. He didn't have that much of an impact in that game either. And then right. the next week they have Seattle, and he, they just. No, actually, it was uh, the 49ers that next week, and he was back to his normal self. And that's kind of how I'm feeling. They have the Cardinals next week with that Cardinals offensive line. Right. I I I really am excited to see what Sue Brockers and Donald do, fully ready to go.
2: Well, you remember, Brockers got that sack on Carr. He was did. that at the end of the third or into the fourth? yeah.
1: yeah. Very Yeah, so, right in that time frame.
2: Yeah, so when you look at all of that, I'm telling you, David Carr was going like, I mean, Derek was going like, hey, man, these dudes are too big because, I mean, uh, going out to camp this year and seeing those guys in person, didn't see Donald, but I can look at him on TV and go, okay, that dude is huge. Rockers is, that, that's that got to be one of the biggest guys, and he doesn't even get that much pub. You know what I mean?
1: And the crazy part about that is is Aaron Donald's the shortest one of those three. Right. That's why he dropped the thirteenth in the draft. If he was six five, he's gone number
2: one. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> you look at that and you go, because again, Sue and all of them, they didn't really play that much again in the preseason. So now they got a real game under their belt. Man, they're gonna just I just see them getting better and better and stronger and stronger as the season prolongs and they're going to be a formidable, you know, I mean, Marcus P's got a pick, you know, uh safety got a pick. They had a couple of from mm-hmm. for some other picks, but now once that D line really gets dialed up and I was watching Wade Phillips, if you watch him, he's just like, Hey guys, they got those seven points. He's just was like, Hey man, no problem. We got this.
1: <laughs> and the funny thing too, was with, there was never really any moment in the game defensively where you felt they were panicking. You, right. know, there's, I mean, there. If you're watching it and you're wanting this Rams to the win, there are moments where we're frustrated. I'm texting Norm and I'm saying, "Man, I'm getting ticked watching the arm tackles and watching this." But there's never a moment where you felt like the Rams were like, "Okay, we're in trouble. We're going to lose this game." You felt like they're going to be fine overall. We're going to be, they're fine. In in that second half, they just. They well, they just tore apart. They shredded them. There was no, there's no other way to say it. They just shredded them. And the one thing I really like about what they did was they imposed their will on the Raiders. They, they passed when they wanted to pass. They rushed whenever they wanted to rush. It was one of those things where the Raiders could do nothing to really slow them down when the Rams were zeroed in. And I think that bodes well for the rest of the year.
2: Absolutely. And if you think about the last three points they got was off of a penalty, moved it in from, what was it, 50-something to a 48-yarder. Yeah. He missed the first one, and then the penalty with the off you know, he made the second one. So, again, if you look at that, he misses the first one, no penalty. Well, the Rams got the ball right there at the 50, you know. So, again, they got some points off a of penalty, which, you know, I'm sure uh, Coach Fossil get that cleaned up. For, for, you know, the next week's going ahead. But, again, this was a good game for them to be able to get under their belt because you saw a lot of missed tackling. It was a lot of penalties on special teams, which doesn't make sense, holding and things like that. So, But I look at that as the way they played the preseason. And I know, you know, they did it strategically to make sure their guys Well, now, you know, getting your timing down and all those kind of things and so to me this was like their real kind of coming out game so it's good for them to be able to to do it and get a win and you know just get early momentum and you know no one got injured and so that's that's a big that's key the there big one right there
1: yeah that, that's yep. huge no injury so we want to do this this real quick segment here before we before we go home we normally do this we we have the go to the game the guy you're like Okay, that person was just awful. He messed this up. And then there's your player of the game. So first I want to ask you who your go of the game was. Who was a player on either team that needs, needs a reality checker how they performed today?
2: It's hard to say, uh, but I would think that I don't know what happened with why they weren't giving Marshawn Lynch the ball. So I'm going to give John Gruden – he needs a reality check because at least, you know, maybe he felt like they were just going to load the box when he was in, but Marshawn Lynch still is, man, that, that guy can run the ball, catch the ball. He can do a lot. Uh, but I kind of go, yeah, Coach Gruden, you may need to get a little reality check and, you know, not try to get too fancy dancy with that. As far as other players, uh, you know, I think Derek, is going to have to definitely figure out, hey, what does he want to do? You know, how's he going to kind of come back from this? But I think the guy, if I were kind of to pick the player of a game kind of, it may be a toss-up between Gurley and receiving Brandon Cooks.
1: Okay. So my go of the game, I'm I'm tempted to say Derek Carr, but – the, the rationale for me is, if I say Derek Carr, I'm ignoring the fact that what set Derek Carr up for that was them taking Marshawn Lynch out of the game. I mean, right. you've, you've put everything on his shoulders at this point. So I'm going to say John Gruden taking Marshawn Lynch, That is was a horrible decision. It changed the game for the Raiders. I think at that point, once they took him out, they really lost any chance of winning this game. Yeah, they, yeah, I don't understand when that because he was moving the chains. He mm-hmm. had the rim. Yeah. Yes. and for my player of the game, I you you stole my thunder, man. I had Brandon Cooks all picked out as my guy. I thought he meant a lot in terms of stretch and field. I thought for sure you wouldn't think that. I thought you'd go Todd Gurley. You messed me up. No I, man, I'm I mean, gonna I mean, go back to the fine. drawing board. Brandon Cooks is legit, man. He is, and I think I think he's a better fit for the offense yeah. than Sammy Watkins was. And that's oh. not a slight towards Sammy Watkins.
2: Not at all, not at all. But, I mean, compared to first game this year and first game last year, Brandon Cooks was putting in work.
1: He knew the playbook. His routes were, were, were swift. He was everywhere he needed to be. and But I guess since you took mine – <laughs> oh Well, you're the guest of the show anyway, so I'm going to go Cooper Cup. He, he had that one drop. He should have caught it, but really, he was the safety valve. He was the guy who was there whenever Goff was in a little bit of trouble to make yes. that play, so I don't think I can go wrong Cooper Cup there at all. No,
2: so no, that third down grab he made was huge. I mean, he went up and got it.
1: Yeah, and so I think, uh, I think overall, considering the fact these starters didn't play – for the entire preseason. I'll take it the to 13. The right? entire yeah. preseason. Everybody's yeah. healthy. Um I guess uh we can say McVeigh was right. Yeah. He right. made the right call. All yeah. right, so hey, Michael, thank you for coming on and joining us today, giving us the 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 veteran perspective. Um we love having you on. You always got something good to say. I'm going to have to say come back. Probably on these man, night games again, man. please.
2: This is, this is fun, man. You guys are awesome.
1: So yeah, and, and you know, we we all he Michael Michael sneaky. Every once in a while you see him sneak a retweet in our stuff, so you know he's checking in with us. So it's kinda of nice. And um so it's good to know. Uh Card let's go ahead and call it now. Cardinals Rams next weekend. Who wins? Oh, Rams, of course. Yeah, I'm gonna I think that's gonna
2: be bad. This this is the reason, because uh, Sam Bradford had that kind of so-so game, I think they're going to try to maybe get Josh Rosen in there earlier than later, and that's going to be the doom to them.
1: I think they're going to go after Sam. I think they're going to go after him. I mean, that's what the Rams do. The Rams hurt Cardinal quarterbacks. So that's all they know to do It's like, let's go kill a quarterback today. Right. Uh, how many I – mean, seriously, how – they put – they put Carson Palmer out like three times, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, that's all they do is kill Cardinal quarterbacks. So, now they're right. playing.
2: They're playing there, right?
1: They're put their home. It's a home game. The opener. It's here. Yeah, you, maybe just maybe you can you can get your way in there. You know, being you know the what? the veteran yeah. and
2: all. It'll it'll. So weather won't be a problem. Yeah, it's it's going to be probably a long day for the Cards. It's going to be a <laughs> long day. <laughs>
1: it will be a long day okay folks before we go don't forget our trivia question for last week was what the rams received from the eagles in their 1958 trade for Norman Van brocklin and uh, we do have a winner but for whatever reason my laptop just said it hates me and my window won't pop back open so i'll wait to announce that for our next show don't forget to follow us on twitter at talk rams and on facebook at facebook.com forward slash rams talk you can find me on Twitter at DC DCApollo. You can find Michael Stewart at 1Duke23 on Twitter. Hey, Michael, you really should give a shout-out for your business, man. You have something really special going um, out there with your detailing. But tell folks about what you do.
2: Man, shout-out. We do it all. Inside-out, RVs, boats, whatever, automobile, inside, outside, get you dialed up. We wash them, we clean them, we shampoo them, whatever you need in regards to that. Stewart and Sons Auto Detail. Find us. Twitter.
1: Yep, and uh, they, they have all kinds of pictures on Facebook, too, where they got, I mean, you guys do some great work. So, again, this is about helping the Ramley out. He does a great job on that, and, um, you know, got to give a shout out to him. So, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Again, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're all over the place. So, for the man, Michael Stewart. This is Derek C. Apollo saying take it easy. We're on to week two. Out. Yeah.
0: of drama where else does history hang from the
1: Raptors? Jalen brown throws it where else is your own city home to your biggest rival the battle
0: of la is real people and 30 feet is still in range
2: where else can a city this loud be this slept on where else is history still in the making? where else the nba only here season begins december 22nd on abc espn tnt and nba tv